Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Inside Facebook Mobile, a podcast by Facebook where we talk to people, not just engineers, who work on our family of apps. My name is Pascal and joining me as ever, hailing from far beyond the wall, escaping the army of the dead and the ice dragons, is Mihaela. Hi everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I really mean it this month because I know this is when everything that's on the podcast charts will be about Game of Thrones. We're not about Game of Thrones. I don't think we have any way of covering this at all. So I appreciate you all um, making the time to listen to some mobile development chat instead. My dad stopped answering my calls because he's watching a Game of Thrones marathon. It's a very good reason, though. I'm, I'm far behind. I really wish we could delay all of this. So we've got a nice review from Matt about our episode with Silbert. And rest assured, Matt, as soon as MoveFast, our internal quick implementation, is open source, we will definitely mention it here on our news segment. And if you don't know what I'm talking about here, maybe check out our last episode and there you can learn more. But we've got, of course, another great interview lined up with Chiara. But first, let's go through some open source news. Mihela, what's new? First of all, I want to say a big congratulations to the Fresco team. Um, they just turned four after they open sourced. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with it, it's an Android image library that's open source and you can go check it out. Yeah, congratulations, Fresco. I want to tease on something else here. A lot of you have asked us about a Flipper plugin for Fresco. And we've always, always dragged our feet on this a bit. If you look very closely in the Flipper repository, you will actually find that there is a Fresco plugin in there. We just want to give it some finishing touches before, you know, making a big deal out of it. But if you really want to, you can already use it. And then you can see the images that have been loaded in different stages of your application inside Flipper. And talking about hidden plugins in Flipper, we also recently added support for section inspection. And by um, we, you mean you. Well, you helped me, Pascal, <laughs> so I'm going to say we. Um, yeah, so now we have uh, support for inspecting sections error keys for the letter inside Flipper. There's, um, there's a hidden configuration flag. I'm sure if you create an issue on GitHub to ask how to enable it, we'll be able to, to help you with it. Definitely. And then we have one last item, which is not directly mobile related, but really cool. It's Aroma, and it's a code-to-code search and recommendation tool released by our AI team here internally. And if you look at the blog post, we will definitely have a link to this in the show notes, you can see how this is actually being used internally. So the idea is that you can look at any particular code snippet and the snippets that they use in the blog article are all about Android development. So I feel like it's, it's worth mentioning it here. And then you can see all the different similar looking invocations of the command. This is incredibly helpful if you've ever tried to use an API that might not be fully documented. I don't know if this ever happened to you like even official Android APIs, and I'm sure the same is true for iOS. And you just want to know in which kind of circumstances is this used? What parameters are passed in? Do you need to make a connection before, make sure that it's closed? So this this machine learning layer can then try to surface similar usages to you and put them right next to it. There are some screenshots as well, how we use this internally. And now you can set up something similar on your end. And that's all we have for the news. Mihaela, who's our guest this month? Kiara is joining us to tell us about the role of a product manager and to talk about workplace. So product manager, also PM here, not to be confused with TPM, which is, um, what again? Technical program Project. manager. Program. What? So yeah, P, P can have various different meanings here. So let, let's not get confused about this. But Mihela, you've actually worked with Kiara before, haven't you? 
Uh, yeah, I used to work on product on uh, a team that focused on video, um, video consumption, video production in Facebook for Android. And Kiara was the product manager on our team. It's actually quite funny because I was the person reaching out to Kiara. And then when we had our first catch up meeting here, I learned that you two not only knew each other, but have actually worked together before. Yes, but you can understand she doesn't want to speak to me after actually working with me. Well, yeah, after the sections collaboration with you, I definitely can. Just kidding, just kidding. That's why it's hidden, people. <laughs> All right, and now to the interview. Hey, Kiara, thanks so much for joining us. Lovely to be here. So can you tell us a bit about yourself? How long have you been at Facebook and what did you do before? Sure. Um, I've been here for three years and a half. Um, originally, I joined uh, the true Facebook team in the sense that I was working on the Facebook product, uh, whereas now I'm working on Workplace, which is a different product that I suspect we're going to talk about pretty soon. Yeah, definitely. We've never talked about Workplace on the podcast here before, so this is a great opportunity to talk a bit about this, especially because the entire team is based in London and that makes it particularly interesting for I us. I it's exciting. Before we get more into that, I'd love to hear more about what your role here is. What does a product manager do? That's a great question. So a product manager, it's a bit of a weird role in general, in the sense that you can't study product management at school. All product managers that you're going to run into uh, have very different backgrounds and do very different jobs depending on the company they work in. In particular at Facebook, uh, a product manager is responsible for a team, right? A team of engineers, designers, uh, data scientists, so a multidisciplinary team effectively. And the overall goal is to lead the team to success, so building a successful product. That means asking the right questions. So our, what, are, what is the need? What is the user need that we're solving for? What is the best way to build the minimum viable product to test if that need is solved by this particular solution, as well as measuring the outcome and keep iterating on that? Right. So you mentioned that people who do product management have various backgrounds. What is yours? I am a designer by training, so I studied design at school, graphic design. I then realized that there were better people than me doing design work. Uh, so I went on and uh, studied service design, which is actually way more similar to what I do now. Service design is about system thinking. Um, so it's something that, you know, as a product manager, you do every single day, such as also as engineers really do product thinking, system Hopefully, thinking. Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's why we work such a you know, well together as a team. And then after doing design school, I went into design consultancy uh, for roughly a year, realized that consultant is a great job to test different things, but actually you never build anything end to end, which was a bit of a shame. And also realized that I was missing the money side. So when you think about systems and your services, you need to understand also the economics. And being a designer, I had zero background in that. So after that, I went to a marketing role trying to you know, fill the gaps a little bit at Vodafone. I was there for three years, roughly. And towards the end, I transitioned from a marketing role into a product role. And then Facebook. And how, how does being a product manager at other companies differ from Facebook? How, how would you say the role is different? It's... <laughs> So there, there are a couple of differences, right? So it depends on the product. So you could work on a consumer product versus a B2B product, and that has different variable. And then there is a difference in the job itself. And the biggest difference, I think, at Facebook is the extreme ownership that we have here that everybody has across disciplines. So you don't need to chase any engineers usually to get anything done. It's more like, you know, it's the engineer responsibility to push 
or word and drive the goal. Um, whereas in a lot of other companies, the uh, PM's role is a, a lot about project management rather than product management. So project is about deadline and keeping people on their toes and making sure that we meet this deadline. Planning poker. Yes, and a lot about it like that. Whereas here it's less about that because, again, this extreme ownership helps product managers do the product job, which is more asking the user needs questions and like what is the problem we're trying to tackle. So are you trying to say there's no structure or do you have any kind of um, like, like, like a very structural approach to this? Is there a methodology? Uh, yes, uh, we we are a bit unstructured, let's be honest. So we like to hack things up. <laughs> um, but in the chaos, there is still light. In, in product management, one of the things that we use a lot here at Facebook is a framework called understand, identify and execute. So this means um, understanding the user problem and also the land, identify the right solution and ultimately only then start executing against that solution. I've never heard that before, actually, or I've never worked with this. Um, I've done some Scrum and other weird uh, agile kind of things. Can you maybe walk us through an example of what this actually looks like for, I don't know, fantasy feature? Yeah, sure. The best example, which is how I was introduced to this, is something that a old school Facebook PM came up with, which is about hunting. Um, so the PM uh, was Peter Martinazzi, who uh, also led a bunch of really, really interesting projects at Facebook, such as the Messenger Diode, which is when we pulled out the Messenger app from uh, the Facebook app. Uh, so that was a massive project, as you can imagine. So if we think about it as a story, and it's a story about hunting. So you could say that you are in a forest and you're really hungry. And as you're really hungry, then what you do is, you you know, you're next to a river, you start trying to catch a fish because that's what you're trying to do. So let's say that the needs in this case that you identify was just being hungry and the solution, so the execution of it was just fishing out of the river. Um, the reality is that we didn't do any understand piece. So the understand piece is like going a bit deeper into the need. We, in this case, we've been hungry. Like, is it just you who's hungry? Is it your family who's hungry? Are you trying to like find food for a week or for just this day and this lunch? So if you start doing this kind of process, you easily start thinking that maybe a fish is not the right execution. It's not the right solution. But maybe if you identify that it's food for a week for your family, then what you need to go is after a deer in the forest, because that's food for a week for the entire family. So that's what it means, like understanding and then identifying would be cool. Since I need to feed all this entire family for a week, what are the possible solutions? One is I could have a fish, I could have a deer, I could have like a full flock of birds. And so you start like identifying what is the best solution to then go and execute. So my understanding is that your role is basically trying to persuade others to follow this kind of model. What's your relationship with other roles in the team, like with the designers and with the engineers? How do you communicate? That's a good question. It really depends on the kind of team, right? So um, I tend to work in product teams. They are like front end, which means that uh, we always have a designer. So usually the way we work is between engineer, manager, designer, and PM, we build this really, really strong trio um, where we uh, try to drive the strategy of the team. 
Um, and this is really important because we bring to the table very different point of view and capabilities as well, right? So I, I could come up with like this really crazy solution to the understood and identified problem uh, together with my designer, but then it could be that the feasibility of it is just a year of work and that's just not good enough. So that's why having an engineer manager is really important, whereas the relationship with a designer is really to stretch and challenge continuously the product thinking between the two of you. You really work like a couple, I would say, in a successful PM design relationship. So we have a bunch of very different teams at Facebook, generally the the kind of more product-facing teams and the infra teams. So at which kind of level does it even make sense to have a PM there? Do you have like a rule of thumb? That's a good question. We also have TPMs at Facebook, which is more on the technical product management side. So usually those figures tend to be closer to infra teams rather than in classic PM. Uh, the biggest difference is a PM is required to be able to think uh, also about the visuals and you know the flows and a bit of the des- what you would normally identify as design side, whereas a TPM, it's more about the architecture of the solution. So it's also useful for an infra team. But to answer your question overall, I think that a PM wears three hats usually. So one, it's more of a strategy and like direction of the team thinking uh, hat. The second one is more of an execution one. So are we on track? Like, can we simplify what we're doing so that we deliver it faster or we, you know, we meet specific deadlines in case there are And then the third one, it's more the communication side. So as a PM, you're also um, supposed to communicate XFN which means upwards, so your top management, uh, sidewards, so all of the teams that work with you as well, uh, as well as, you know, privacy and legal and comms and all of this like as well. So overall, I think an infra team still needs this, for example, yep. uh, as well as the execution side. That makes sense, yeah. When you come up with an idea with the design team and you present it to the engineering team, uh, if there's any conflict, so maybe the engineering team will say, this is not going to happen in a million years. What's your approach to reconciliating these kind of conflicts? (laughs) That happened. Um, (laughs) It's called herding cats. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Um, It usually means that you haven't made a good point at the strategy level. So at the why. At least that's in my experience, what we experience. Usually the kind of pushback is always at a solution level. So it's like, oh, that feels just a wrong idea or like, oh, no, I don't think we should implement it this way rather than at a principle level. So, for example, why are we even working on this set of ideas? And usually when you try to like debug why so there is so much pushback, it's because at the principal and higher strategy level, there is no buy-in. So what we normally do is like going back a layer and saying, cool, do you understand why this thing is important? Like, do you think it is important? And, you know, and then you start having like really interesting conversations that are more like a principal level of like, should we invest into workplace overall. So into making the world of work a better place that is, you know, less hierarchical and where there is free communication and we break silos. Like, do you buy this? And, you know, if you have like a no from there, like it's a very different conversation and yes. And then it's like, cool. So how do we achieve that? What are the things that need to happen for that to be a better place? And then you just, you know, trickle down to the idea. And I think overall, like when you discuss ideas, the best way really is to test different ones if the disagreement is at that level. So talking about ideas, where do the initial ideas usually come from? Is it like your sole responsibility to come up with everything that will ever be built in, inside Workplace or how does this work? 
Thank God, no. <laughs> uh, that would be way too much responsibility <laughs> for anybody, for any PM, even our director of product. Um, usually there are different sources, right? So there is some that it comes from research. So we do a ton of user research, talking to our users or prospect users about their needs uh, and what we can do better. There is another channel is uh, market analysis. So how are our competitors going about these problems? Is there any consumer product? that is actually tackling those needs better than a SaaS product, for example, in case of workplace. And then third, of course, like our thinking heads. And it's not just mine, but it's like as a team. Like we always have brainstorms and like sessions with the overall team. So since we're a mobile podcast, at least by name, I think I need to ask you something specifically about mobile engineering. So do you directly work with mobile engineers? Are you focused just on web or what's your experience and how, how does all of this differ? Uh, I used to work with mobile engineers in my old team uh, within the workplace and as well as uh, Facebook team before. Actually with you, Michaela. Um, I think I've worked with almost all the guests that we had on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so right now my team is mostly dub both server side as well as front end. So how is it being able to focus on just one platform then primarily? How does this differ from having to build something that works across Android, iOS, www, and presumably some other platforms then as well? Good question. Well, it's one less complexity, of course. Both like when you think about a product as well as in the development. So when you think about a product, for example, I remember when we were building video, for example, on Facebook, every time it's like, cool, where can you upload the video from? But then there is always the question, everybody needs to see it. So if you're a product across platform, of course, the consumption side needs to be built across platforms. That uh, I don't need to explain to you guys, but takes like, you know, two weeks minimum <laughs> in terms of release of code. And so you always um, have to these two weeks of lag time uh, to wait from building it to production, uh, which is a shame because in WW you just push the button because <laughs> we have continuous release. On mobile, one of the most annoying aspects of this two-week delay is that when you test something or experiment with something, you also then have to add the additional time that it takes to collect sufficient data to draw any conclusions from this on top of this. So you're normally then talking three weeks, four weeks. Do you apply this data-driven approach to your workplace uh, products too? Yeah, absolutely. We're still part of Facebook, so we still think <laughs> like Facebookers. It is very similar to what you're saying in terms of frustration, I have to say, in the sense that coming from the Blue App, which is Facebook, um, it's very frustrating to go to WordPress because in the Blue App, you can have statistically significant data within one to two days, whereas for us, it takes like two to three weeks minimum because of the volume. Yeah, that makes sense. But but still, you get the, the quick rollout. So yeah, swings and round, roundabouts. Indeed. So let's talk a bit about workplace. Can you just give us a broad overview? What's, what, what's your pitch? That is a good question, which we ask every day, because workplace is many things, actually. But the pitch is uh, workplace is basically like Facebook, but for internal companies, not only to connect the companies, so to communicate, but also to collaborate. At Facebook, we use it in an excellent way in the sense that we have all sort of groups, as you guys know. We have some social groups uh, to share uh, where you're going out for lunch, as well as we have our team groups where we actually share mocks in, in case you have a designer or architecture choices and you have a debate on the post. Or even XFN groups where you share with other teams what you're about and you make sure that they're in the loop. And if they have any impacts on their teams, they're aware of them in time. You know what is probably my favorite feature about Workplace? 
likes. It sounds so trivial, but when you come from a culture that is so email heavy and sometimes you just send something out in the void, like a big announcement of a feature you've worked on for half a year, and then you hear nothing. And maybe like one person clicks the reply all button like, hey, this looks cool, and then immediately regrets it because they realize they've just sent this to hundreds of people. And now you can just like a post and express this little bit of gratitude about what the other person has posted there. The downside side of that is that you can also use the angry button. Yeah, 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 that's that's true. And also, I get way more internal engagement than I get on any of my public posts, which is a bit depressing. <laughs> that, that kind of reminds me of the world inside Facebook before workplace. My God, my, my Facebook profile was a mess. I kept getting notifications from friends, from internal threads. I had work groups and personal groups. My messages were either from my manager, either from my best friend. I, I didn't even know where to look anymore. And then we did the transition. And then everything felt really silent again in my in my personal profile. I, it was actually a little bit sad, but now I get really <laughs> excited when I see a notification. Yeah, the other really cool thing is if you're a newbie. So think about joining a company. You have no context. You have like, how do you learn about what's going on in your company? Either your manager or you're meeting people. Especially when it's a big company, it's really hard. Yeah. With WordPress, what you do is you just go on and start browsing the. Very, like vast number of open groups. And so you can learn about all the teams in London as well as the teams in other offices. And it's really, really, really cool. So who uses Workplace apart from Facebook um, themselves? So we have over 30,000 companies using Workplace. That's a pretty big number. Uh, all around the world and across very different sectors, which is what completely uh, mind-blown me when I joined a company. Uh, we're talking about, you know, RBS and banks. We're talking about Vodafone, Telco. We're talking about startups such as Deliveroo uh, or Grab in APEC. Um, it's just really, really, really spread, surprisingly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you communicate with those external users and get I, I don't know, feature requests? Um, we have two different uh, tiers in the product today. One is paid and one is free. There are some key differences among which the paid customers get support. So support is one of our key channels to get customer requests, as well as know when our product is not working properly, um, which is also a good thing to know and fix as quick as possible. Um, and then the other thing is roughly like, they will find the most amazing way to talk to you if you're a PM and you have Facebook on your Instagram and Facebook <laughs> profile. What does that look like? <laughs> I want the details. Um, well, I receive like all sort of requests, like both related to my product as well as not, um, such as my Facebook account has been closed. Can you please oh, help? Oh, these kind of things. And can you verify me? I, yeah, I guess it's a common one. I'm then. sure you guys receive them as well. And it's funny when you connect to a customer before, so they know that your full name, then they would just reach out with a specific feature request, such as, are we going live with X? I really need it. I'm trying to make a point. So how do you prioritize these requests then? It's a matter of trying to understand the depth of the need, right? So there is a point about uh, market sizing for that need. So um, what percentage of our users actually would benefit from that? And then there is a point on strategies. Is this the direction we want to bring the product towards? 
So a good example is like a lot of companies ask us um, for CEO's admin control. So the admins want to post on behalf of the CEO. The size of the audience for this feature is quite big as a reality because we're very uh, famous with big companies and we're doing a really good job of solving their needs. But it goes against the philosophy of our product, which is all based on identity and all based on um lowering the gap between the top management and any employees. Right. Okay, let's take a quick break here and then we can talk about the structure of the workplace team here in London. Hi, this is Joel Marcy, creator and host of The Diff, a podcast from Facebook Open Source. We just launched and we're discussing everything from React, Reason and GraphQL to running a large open source program and managing a developer community. Come join us and learn about the projects, the people, and inner workings of one of the largest open source programs in the world. You'll find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching for The Diff or Facebook Open Source. And we're back. I'm curious to learn more about the structure of the workplace team. On on the blue app, as you call it, we have entire teams that are stacked for, um, for, for each kind of feature. So we have an events team, we have a groups team. Is that the same uh, on workplace? It's similar, but different <laughs> in the sense that at a super high level, we have three macro groups uh, within the team. One that looks after growth because uh, we have this ambition to be the place uh, where every single worker in the world would get work done. The second group is engagement, uh, which looks after building the right features to get work done. And then the third one is the foundational team. The foundational team looks after things such as security, which is absolutely crucial for workplace. So where, where's the team based? Well, I, I think I've answered my question um, previously, but I guess you can still <laughs> answer it again. <laughs> yes, because we take a lot of pride in that. Um, the team is based entirely out of London. And when I say entirely, I mean the engineering team. We do have some partnership spin-offs in the key markets. So in North America and South America and in Asia Pacific. But it's quite exciting because we were... I think the first team to be entirely based out of London. So we feel a bit of a founder father of the London office. Amazing. How old is the team at this point, like the broader team? So Workplace uh, officially launched in October 2016. Um, This is right about when I joined. So I think I I still had to choose between using Workplace or the the mishmash that Mihaela described. (laughs) (laughs) I went through the mishmash, but I actually picked pretty because I joined actually Facebook in September 2015 so I still had the right to choose at that time but I definitely switched to workplace straight after like a week really just like having like this mix of personal and work yeah yeah I immediately went with workplace too and I'm really glad I did (laughs) how is it different being a product manager on workplace uh, than Facebook what are your personal challenges the biggest difference is size, I would say. So as you guys know, we're very, very data driven. And as we talked before, it's really hard to get uh, data quickly in a workplace. One is it's hard to test in the way, in the in the classic Facebook fashion way, uh, which also means though that we get to be creative. So we use uh, a lot of uh, qual research and alpha testers, and we have a bit of a more scrappy approach to finding um, what the right solution and the right need is. And this also is linked to another big difference, which is we're building a product as we define zero to one. So we're still, you know, um, looking for product market fit in some areas, whereas Facebook is mostly about growth. 
Like we have like a huge user base. We're talking about billions of users. And every time that you work on something on Facebook, you're working at refining something that is existing. Whereas in Wordpress, you are more in this Wild West zero to one product development area. If you were to port one feature from Facebook to Wordpress, what would it be? We we brought like a ton of them already. <laughs> it's but, hard. But <laughs> it's it's not a parody, right? I'm sure some things don't make sense. But what what would you like to see that people said? Oh, this doesn't make sense. Poking. But you feel like you would not I bet poking. It's poking. They should just ban poking <laughs> altogether. Well, one that is super debated uh, is stories. Ah, so today yeah. we don't have stories in workplace and mostly, you know, stories in Facebook. It's all about these ephemeral moments that you want to share uh, temporarily with your the people that are closest to you. And so you're like, why would I want stories in workplace? But actually, there are some use cases that are pretty obvious, like stand up, for yeah. example. So we're thinking about that. Um, but it's like just a just a thought at the moment. Interesting. Okay, I've had a very similar question in my mind for you. What's your favorite feature that already exists in Workplace? And it can't be one that you've worked on because then you would be obviously biased. Favorite feature? Hmm. I liked your liking, I have to say, like the fact <laughs> that you can have reactions. I think that's very, very powerful. But maybe it's... Um, I think there are like a couple. Um, the first one is GIFs. So the, oh, good one! Yeah, yes, the um, the way you can express yourself and you can have gift battles is just amazing. Um, especially when you're in a meeting and somebody is making a face and you just send them a gift. I love that. And then the second one is more like what we saw that changed the way a lot of our companies worked, which is live videos. So CEOs in particular use live videos now quite a lot. Um, it's more realistic. Uh, they're actually talking to their entire company in a very personal way. And then the second one is because we are mobile first, people who are not in an office space, which are a lot of people in the world, we're talking about billions of people, can get to see their CEOs from their phones wherever they are, which is pretty exceptional. One last thing. So we met for the first time at Barry's Bootcamp, which is this high intensity training kind of thing that a lot of Facebookers <laughs> here like to do. Is it the one with the dog? There are a lot of dogs, yeah. So this is my personal story, not a workplace story. But yeah, whenever <laughs> I see a dog there, I share this on my Instagram. Um, but I don't know how you do it, but you always come out of it and you look like you were just queuing up for the next session. That's a, you're like spotless. <laughs> I look like someone put a T-shirt on an ice cube and like set it out on a beach in the sun. And you have like maybe a drop of sweat somewhere. Well, what's going on there? <laughs> Um, it's just a lot of exercise and practice, darling. You just got to get used to it. <laughs> no, that's just absolutely not true. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us here, Kiara. Thank you for having me. All right. See ya. Ciao. And that was Kiara, APM on the Workplace team here in London. Pascal, you've never worked with a project manager here at Facebook. What, what did you yes, learn today? Yes, that's right. I mean, I learned a lot. I really liked her organizing principle around understand, identify and execute because I clearly see that we don't really generally do enough understanding before we get to the execution part. So that was super interesting to me. But the other part I found particularly surprising was that her way of focusing is mostly on the dub 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 side. And that's because it's so... Um, Retro, in a sense. I don't know when you started on all of this, if mobile was already the 
dominating platform? I think it was. And my team was also biased towards mobile because we were uh, the team focusing on video consumption and production. So you can imagine uh, you can hardly do that from your desktop. Yeah, I, I feel really old because <laughs> I kind of started working in this industry 10 years ago. And this is when the whole thought about mobile just got started. And I was actively pushing for this all the time. And now it's pretty much standard. You start with a mobile app and then <laughs> when people complain loud enough, you will get web features. So that's basically the way most of the things work. But if you focus on B2B applications and specifically work applications, then starting with the web is actually still a pretty good idea. And the differences there were, were quite striking in the way she described it. So what about you? Did you learn something new? I find it really valuable to um, have some sort of structure around setting the direction of a project. And I think you really get that with having a PM or a TPM on your team. Um, whereas I think on an infra infrastructure team where you don't have that role and you only have engineers, um, instead of having an approach, for instance, when you build a new API to see if it's valuable to other people to try to estimate the impact, it's mostly like you're reactive in, in, in a way. And I think... It, we would also benefit from having this sort of structured uh, approach to solving a problem. Yeah, that rings true to me. I guess I do a bit of PMing on the Flipper team, which is definitely a product more than it is a piece of infrastructure, the way we look at it. And this way of thinking about problems and understanding them seems quite helpful. I'll, I'll try to apply this as a framework for my to myself now. And that's all we have for this episode of Inside Facebook Mobile. Feel free to send us feedback, either through Raven or some more traditional means of communication. You can send us an email, for instance, at mobilepodcasts at fb.com. You can also send us a tweet. We are on Twitter with at InsideFBMobile. We're also on Instagram with the same handle. And don't forget to check out our careers page. That's facebook.com slash careers. And I think that's all we have. Until next month, see you later. Thank you for listening. About. It's so funny. We have a reviewer and we keep calling him. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> we have a reviewer. It's like, Matt, now everyone knows you review the podcast. Yeah. After having worked with Kiara, has she evolved in her thinking about product management? <laughs> Should I do sort a performance of review? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of you have asked us about a flibber. <laughs> flibber. <laughs> Wait, let me rephrase my thoughts again. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was just looking at the UBN and I, I lost concentration <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, sorry. Coming from the blue up, it only takes like one to two days to have statistical... I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is like when I say statistic, I know that people don't understand it. How do you say statistically significant? Okay, I can't say it. Statistically. <laughs> Coming from the blue up, um, where... <laughs> I, I had a word like this. What, what was it? Statistic. Uh, the cost service. Statistic, yeah. <laughs>